0: Welcome to the Learning Scientist Podcast, a podcast for teachers, students, and parents about evidence-based practice and learning. This podcast is funded by listeners like you through Patreon. We want to thank all of our donors. We would not be able to produce this podcast or maintain the free resources like the blog, the videos, the downloadable posters on our website without you. So, if you can, please consider supporting us at www.patreon.com learningscientists. We post videos each month for those who donate at least $5 or more. This episode's featured patron is Peter Hornifer. Peter is dedicated to leveraging modern educational technology and learning science to optimize the learning process in medical education. Learning science allows us to apply evidence-based strategies and effectively teach a much wider array of students from diverse backgrounds. Applying learning scientists through the use of platform-based delivery is making medical education available and effective in underserved areas, both in the U.S. and internationally. I know Peter has been heavily involved with this and he feels confident that Lecturio.com is the leader in using this approach. You can learn more about Peter's efforts in this area by watching his TEDx talk, and we'll put a link in the show notes. Hi, I'm Dr. Megan Samaraki, a professor at Rhode Island College.
1: And I'm Dr. Althea Kaminsky, a professor at St. Bonaventure University.
0: And today, we are going to talk about a paper um, that we have both read and we thought was pretty cool. It's called A Test of Two Alternative Cognitive Processing Models, Learning Styles, and Dual Coding. By Cuevas and Dawson, two educational psychologists at the University of North Georgia.
1: Yeah, and one of the reasons why we thought this was a really good article is because it very explicitly pits learning styles against dual coding. Of course, we talk a lot about dual coding on the Learning Scientists uh, and how it's one of the effective ways to improve learning. And we get a lot of questions about how it's different from learning styles because, on the surface, they do seem really similar. So. Just to be clear about what we're talking about, I want to go over what we mean by learning styles and what we mean by dual coding. And that's what they go over in the paper as well. So learning styles refers to this very specific kind of hypothesis. One, that people have preferences for their learning. Um, Some people might prefer to learn visually or auditorily um, or kinesthetically. There's a whole uh, bunch of learning styles. And the learning styles Hypothesis, the matching hypothesis specifically, says that if we match the style of instruction to your preferred style of learning, you should learn better. So people who learn visually should perform better if they get visual materials. People who learn auditorily should learn better if they get auditory materials, and so on. Dual coding, on the other hand, states that everyone learns best when we pair visual and auditory. So dual coding says that learning generally improves, when we have visual materials uh, paired with verbal materials, sorry, not auditory, verbal materials. And we get questions a lot about how that's different from learning styles because we're still talking about visual and verbal, and people hear about visual and verbal learning and learning styles as well. Um, So we really like this paper because they really explicitly differentiate the two and then compare them to see which one does better.
0: Yeah, so it's really neat because they're actually pitting the dual coding Uh, hypothesis or dual coding against learning styles in the same experiment and the idea is that if the data turn out one way it would support learning styles but if the data turn out a different way it would support dual coding which is pretty cool. So essentially what they did is they had a bunch of students these were university students most of them undergraduates but a handful of them were graduate students they had them read and process these statements. And the statements, um, they, when they processed them, they were randomly assigned to either process the statement by thinking about the way the words in the statement sounded, or they were told to process the statement by thinking about how easy it was to create a visual image of that particular statement. So we've got an auditory or sort of verbal way of trying to process the statement, and then a visual way of trying to process the statement. And then they also had all of the students complete the the VARC, where sometimes it's called the VAC, which is a learning styles inventory that makes a, an assessment as to whether or not someone is more visual, someone is more auditory. And they just identified individual style based on, based on the VARC or the VAC, which is a pretty common learning styles inventory that's used in education. And so... The dual coding hypothesis would be that everybody is going to learn these statements and remember them best if they think about how easy it is to create a visual representation of that statement because the statement is already in an auditory or sort of verbal um, form because that there's words there. So by adding that visual representation and thinking about how those statements are in a visual way, you're combining the two. So that would support dual coding if everybody learns best in that condition. Whereas the learning styles hypothesis would predict that the condition that's best for you depends on your particular style. So if you identified as being a visual student, then you should learn best when you're in that visual condition and do much more poorly when you're in that thinking about how the statement sounds. But on the flip side, if you're an auditory student, then you should actually learn best when you're thinking about how the sentence sounds and focusing specifically on the words and the sounds of the statement, as opposed to thinking about visual. And so you should see what we would call a crossover interaction, where with one style, condition a is better than condition b but with the other style condition b is better than condition a and what they find is support for dual coding actually kind of major support for dual coding so the students learn the statements so 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 much better in that visual condition the average correct is somewhere between um 40% in that auditory condition and I think 80% in the visual condition. So they're doing they're remembering double the statements when they're in that visual condition and their style does not matter at all. So the lines are essentially flat and there's a tiny little bit of a bump where the students who are in the are identified as the auditory style are doing slightly better in the visual condition. It's not something that's statistically significant, but it's a tiny baby bump essentially in the wrong direction of what you would predict for learning styles. So this is just major support for dual coding. And we can recreate the figure for, of their results and put that in the show notes. So if you wanna see what it is that we're talking about, how the students learn so much better and remember those statements better in the visual condition regardless of style compared to that auditory condition supporting dual coding. So there's a whole lot to like about this paper really because it's it's pitting those two styles against, or the, I'm sorry, the two theories against one another. And if the results turn out one way, then it supports one. And if the results turn out the other way, it supports the other, all within the same experiment. And so we can see evidence for dual coding, but not evidence for learning styles. And there's, there's a lot of really important educational implications. And we talk a lot on this podcast. We've written on the blog a lot about dual coding and about learning styles. But I think it's really cool to talk about this specific experiment to show experimental evidence supporting one and not the other in the same paper.
1: Right. And I think it's really interesting that they specifically put learning styles against dual coding, because those two ideas are very similar. And that's one of uh, one of the things that we address a lot is that many teachers, when they're trying to implement learning styles, actually end up implementing dual coding. Um, because in, in an effort to get to all of the visual learners and all of the auditory learners at the same time, they'll say, oh, well, I guess I should be presenting things both visually and verbally to help all of these students and it does in fact help all those students, um, but because you're implementing dual coding, not because you're teaching to a specific learning style. And so I think this design is interesting because it is a good way to separate out what the differences between those two and show that it's the dual coding that's effective there and not the learning styles. Um, and they did a really good job in the analysis they went through and they, they tried a number of different ways to see if learning styles did anything in addition to looking at the difference between auditory and visual learners, they also did a regression analysis to see okay, does being or does having a learning preference on any of these dimensions? So there's the VARc measures visual auditory. It also measures um, kinesthetic and like reading. Um, does having preference in any of those dimensions affect learning at all here? And the answer was no. Not at all. It didn't matter how they ran the model. Uh, they couldn't find any evidence in support of learning styles just broadly, not even in just the specific way that they did it here. Um, so that was one of the reasons why we thought this was a really interesting and really good paper.
0: Yeah, and I mean, one of the points that, that is made all the time, and this is a really important point, is that if learning styles and dual coding are sort of similar, and if the if the application in the classroom ends up being kind of the same, Does it really matter? Because of course, as a teacher, at least in my classes, I would find it impossible to diagnose every single student's style and then put them in different areas in the room and teach them in four different ways, giving a bunch of different lessons. We don't separate students by their style into, at least I've not heard of this before. It certainly doesn't seem to happen at the college level or the university level. We don't put them in different classes or different sections based on their style. And it would be hard to separate them and put them in their own little boxes and then try to teach to them individually. What ends up actually happening is dual coding right where you just teach all of the students in all of these different formats and so if if the application ends up looking the same does it really matter why do we keep harping on this point that learning styles doesn't seem to work and dual coding works really well and the authors of this paper outline this really well they basically say like hey it's it's really not a great idea to label students and put them into these individual boxes so just because I'm I'm doing dual coding in my classroom, I could still be saying, well, you know, Jose, I'm doing verbal activities for you because you're a verbal student. Um, but but Johnny, I'm doing visual activities and adding these graphics for you, and that makes the students think, well, some of this is for me and some of it's not for me, and maybe I'm just only going to attend to the things that I like or attend to the things that are my preference. Labeling the students in that way and putting them in their little boxes, even if what we're doing is dual coding, can still be harmful to them because then later on when they're trying to study on their own, they might be catering to their own preferences or avoiding specific subject areas because they think that they can't learn that way. And it's just not true. Yeah. And
1: that's it's one of the reasons why we, again, like Megan said, keep bringing this up because it's, we feel strongly that it's important that students understand how their learning works. And so if you maybe are accidentally doing dual coding, um, but still saying it's learning styles, then students are going to be really misinformed about how the learning works. And eventually they'll leave your classroom and carry that misconception with them when they go on um, and hopefully try to learn on their own, right? Um, which is certainly what we see at the college or university level, I have students that take my class and I ask at the beginning of every class um, or at the beginning of every school year, how many of them know what their learning style is? Do they have preferences based on it? Do they base their study habits around it? And a lot of them do. And they're very surprised and shocked to find out that that's maybe not the best way to go about it. So at least anecdotally, I know that that has lasting effects on students. And that it definitely changes how they approach their learning once they leave the classroom.
0: Yeah, I've had many students say, I can't learn that way. And and maybe, I mean, this isn't to say that I, I as an instructor, I'm going to say, well, I don't care. I'm going to make you learn that way. You have to do it exactly my way or else. Certainly, individual preferences matter. And we want the students to enjoy their learning. And we want them to engage in a way that they are comfortable engaging. But if they come in with these preconceived notions that they can't do certain things, it it does, it limits them to some extent. A lot of my students, when I'm advising, will say, Well, I I can't do the second language language requirement. I just I I can't learn a second language because I'm I'm a visual learner and I just I can't learn that way. The answer is, of course, well, in order to get your degree, we're going to have to get through the second language requirement because it's it's a requirement for our general education program. But also, you probably can learn that way. And there probably are ways to, to try to infuse some other visual types of activities and a lot of different activities to help you learn, but also certain types of things work really well with certain materials. And that doesn't mean that, that because you've been labeled as a visual learner or a kinesthetic learner that now you can't learn a second language or you can't do math or you can't do physics. No, you can learn all of these things. They just need to be approached in a, in a different way and try to combine as many of those modalities as possible. I
1: want to return to something I said earlier because I want to make sure that I'm clear about what dual coding is because this is a question that I think I've addressed in a blog post because this comes up a lot. What do we mean by verbal Um, when we say combining visual and verbal, because I kind of mix up verbal and auditory and they do kind of mean separate things, but also kind of the same. (laughs) Um, so in dual coding, when we talk about combining verbal and visual, verbal can be something that's written and something that's heard. Um, the way that we process verbal information is very similar when we're reading as when we're listening or writing, um, The way I explain to my students is you can only have one voice in your head at a time. So if you're reading something, and even if you're reading it quietly to yourself, you're most likely reading it um, in your own voice. Like if you were to think about the voice you hear inside your head, it's your voice that reads at the same or very similar pace to how you would speak. And it's very difficult for you to read something while someone's talking to you because you would have to kind of shut off the voice in your head in order to focus on who's talking to you. Similarly, um, if you are maybe trying to read the words on the screen, if you're looking at a PowerPoint presentation and listen to the person talking and giving the presentation, it's going to be difficult for you because we have two modes of verbal information coming in. One is written and one is auditory, but they're both verbal. So when we talk about combining visual and verbal, I want to make sure that that we're clear that verbal can mean, uh, bo- verbal can mean both written or 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 read verbal material as well as stuff that you hear or that is spoken. Um, visual makes sense both ways in, in, in both definitions, so that one's easy. Uh, but I, I want to want to make sure that we were clear on what we mean by combining visual and verbal in dual coding.
0: Yeah, and the authors of this paper make that point too when they're talking about the VARK versus the VAC. And the key difference really is just with the VARC, each of those letters, like we say, stands for one of the styles. So visual is for V, A auditory, R stands for reading, writing, and K for kinesthetic. And when they talk about the VAC, V-A-K, they're basically just taking that R out and sort of acknowledging that auditory, reading, writing, all of that is sort of Verbal. It's just sort of unfortunate that verbal and visual both start with a V, making it yeah. a little bit more difficult. Um, which is probably where some of these crazy acronyms are coming from, because they're trying to avoid the fact that we've got really just two V's: visual and verbal. Um, but I mean, it, it it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, combining these representations is or these um, different modalities of learning is just going to be really beneficial for everybody. We don't have to put you in your little auditory box and you you only get to listen to podcasts. You don't get to read blogs. You don't get to look at diagrams. You don't get to go look at the show notes and take a look at that figure. You can only listen to my description of it and you'll have to learn completely in that way. And of course, No, of course not. Going and looking at the show notes and taking a look at the figure while listening to my description is going to be a really great way to try to understand the results. Looking at the figure alone might be confusing if you don't have any orientation to what the figure is representing. And frankly, listening to my auditory description of it might be a little bit tricky without having that visual. Certainly the visual is going to help. So that's just an example of where dual coding works really well regardless of your particular style. If you're really strong in research methods and you're used to experimental designs maybe you could just look at the figure or maybe you could just listen to my description and be totally fine but that doesn't mean that you're just visual or just auditory. It just for everybody combining them is going to make it a little bit more clear and a little bit faster. So even though I'm used to experimental design and results Still, looking at the figure and then having a description, whether it's someone describing it or reading, is going to help me get there faster. And that's dual coding.
1: So we hope this review of the paper was helpful. We'll be putting a link to the paper in the show notes. And like Megan said, we'll be providing the figure and diagram so you can go into the show notes and learn more.
0: See you next time. This episode is funded by listeners like you. To support our work and gain access to exclusive content, visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash learningscientists.